Well, I want to speak tonight about Sukkot and freedom. During 40 years in the wilderness, Israel was on a journey with the Lord from slavery to freedom from Egypt to the promised land. And Sukkot reminds us of the process and two parts of the process. The first part, part one, is to get us out of slavery. And part two is to get slavery out of us. And Sukkot reminds us of that process. What does it take to become free men and women? Every Sukkot celebration helps us remember that Israel had been brought out of Egypt, the land of bondage, and Israel had not returned to bondage, brought out of bondage, and stayed free. And when you first get free from bondage, that is a huge victory. When you stay free, it's an even bigger victory. Israel had to overcome the temptation to go back to Egypt. Moses had to fight that particular battle several times. Don't go back to Egypt, or you'll be going back to slavery. It's the house of bondage. That's what Exodus 13 verse 14 says. It's important to recognize the Egypts in our own lives. It's important so that we don't go back to those places of bondage. You have a new life of freedom through Messiah Yeshua. And let's make that personal for us. We pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. We don't want to put ourselves back into temptation. We each have vulnerabilities that we have to protect ourselves from. As an example, the alcoholic uh, can say, let's stay away from the bars. And the gambler can say, stay away from the racetrack. The shopaholic wants to stay away from the shopping centers. And the glutton can say, I'm going to stay away from the all-you-can-eat buffet. Well, you get the picture. And let's also be clear, bondage is not just about places, it's also about habits of the heart and the mind. Habits are associated with our bondage. To really break bad habits, we may need to replace them with good habits. Use your freedom to stay free. Here are some examples as We'll take one topic, money. If money always gets away from you, well, keep your checkbook balanced if you use a checkbook or keep your money app like Quicken up to date. Reconcile your bank statement every month. Here's another example, temper. If you would blow a gasket and lose your temper with people, practice being quiet. Keep your lips shut when you're angry. Get your peace back. Take a walk instead of telling someone else to take a hike. If withdrawal is an example for you, some people are like turtles who pull into their shell during conflict, and then they give the silent treatment. What can you do when you have freedom? Well, you stick your neck out a little bit. Don't run away. Instead, keep talking, stay engaged, talk things out. Relationships can get stuck in a pattern of bondage. But whenever you get unstuck, it's useful to try to stay unstuck. When you get free, don't go back to the conditions of bondage. Don't stay stuck in your past or in the roles that you had uh, from the past. Don't act like you're the little kid at family gatherings or the teenage rebel with your 
parents don't play out old roles like, oh, I'm the big brother or I'm the kid's sister. Learn new ways of relating and don't accept for yourself an identity of bondage. You're not a powerless victim. Falling back into bondage is not inevitable. You don't have to think, well, that's just the way I am. You do have freedom. Walk in the freedom that God has purchased for you. The one who God sets free is free and dead. Indeed, that means they're actually free. And that's spoken in John chapter 8, verse 36. It's for the sake of freedom that Messiah has set us free. That's from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Sukkot, the ancient Jewish holiday, reminds us that we can walk in spiritual freedom now. Yeshua gives us some keys to spiritual freedom. Here's one. We can keep our eyes on the Father. Yeshua said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. John 5.19 puts it this way. The Son can do nothing of himself unless it's something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in the same manner. Keeping the rules, folks, will help you some of the time, but keeping our eyes on the Lord will always be helpful to us. And we can aim to do God's will. We pray this way, as Yeshua taught us, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we can say to the Lord, I want to be your instrument, Father. I want to do what pleases you, Lord. There is victory when we set out to do the will of God. We can also let spiritual freedom change our prayer life. We can share with the Lord everything we're thinking and feeling. We don't have to bottle things up inside. Remember, we're not just asking God to do things for us. It's not a gimme, gimme type of relationship. We're volunteering to do his will. And so our prayers can change. We can say, in prayer. What's on your heart, Father? What would you like me to do, Lord? What perspective do you want me to have, Abba? What do you want me to know and understand? How do you want to use me to make a difference, Father? When we learn to pray those types of questions and more, God will answer us, and then we can say, Amen. To the Lord. A few years ago, I was tired of the high holiday season. For several years, when we were living overseas, we celebrated Sukkot in a lot of different cities. And I remember celebrating Sukkot in Budapest with our congregation there. And then we celebrated with several Hungarian churches, which were inspired by Zechariah chapter 14 to celebrate Sukkot. And then I remember celebrating in several different cities in Ukraine. And I was visiting a church one Sunday. And during the worship, the pastor, a good friend, asked me to speak to his church about Sukkot. And at that point, I was already tired of Sukkot. I had nothing more to say. I'd said everything I wanted to say, and I felt like I'd plumbed the depths of Sukkot, if you will, and I was ready to move on to another subject. But he insisted, to tell you the truth, 
I would have been happier to speak about anything else. Now, I was murmuring on the inside. But the Lord opened up something to me about Sukkot while on the inside I was murmuring. And let me tell you how he did it. He showed me how stinking bad my attitude was at that very moment. And he showed me the darkness in my own heart. And that helped me recognize the humility that the Holy Spirit has. The Holy Spirit took up residence inside such a dark, worthless home, me. And that gave me a new understanding about Sukkot. The humility of God is revealed at Sukkot. At Sukkot, God wants us to remember that he was with us the whole time our people dwelled in Sukkot, in huts, in the wilderness. And Leviticus 23, verse 43, puts it this way, that we would dwell in in huts, in, in booths, so that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths, in huts. When I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. You see, Sukkot is a time for us to learn something about the Lord and about his humility, and that he was glad to be with us during that time when we had so very little. And now the Holy Spirit lives inside the disciples of Yeshua, and the Lord is still showing us his humility. He shows us humility by filling us up with his Holy Spirit and by living in us. And let's be honest, we're kind of dark, aren't we? And we're not so glorious as individuals. We're not glamorous or showy to the Lord. And the places that he chooses to dwell with the lowly and the contrite, as Isaiah describes it, this reveals the humility of the Lord. Now, during Sukkot, we can focus on freedom and success that's not defined by materialism. It's not what you eat. It's not what you drink. It's not what you wear. It's not the kind of house you have. It's, as the scripture says, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Tadaka, shalom, and simchat adonai. Sukkot also helps us to think about the connection between generations. The generation that was brought out of Egypt gave birth to the generation that went into the promised land. The generation that came out of Egypt went forward, but not all the way. And then the next generation went even further. The second generation had always lived in Sukkot, in huts. But they were the ones who went into the promised land and built houses and cities and a society. Sukkot helps us think about what we can give to the next generation, not just what we can achieve ourselves, but ask this question, what have you made possible for others to do? Who's coming behind you? Who's following in your footsteps? Who's standing on your shoulders? A good question to ask is, what do you see 
that will take more than one lifetime to establish or make secure or fully accomplish? What are you working for that will be finished by other generations, by future generations? This idea, the connected work of many generations, is a key to understanding the Jewish people and our focus on education and family, work and culture. Sukkot reminds us we're not alone on this journey. We have God's leadership. We have God's presence. We go with God's community from one place to another place. And Sukkot reminds us that God is with us. And it also helps us uh, adjust our emphasis so that it's not on grandeur, but simplicity. And we focus and recognize God's humility and even our own humility. God is with us during unsteady times. That's one of the lessons of Sukkot. God is with us building up a people. Sukkot reminds us that we're a people on the move. Remember your own history and our Jewish history. Where did you come from? What has the journey been like for you? Where are you going? and what's ahead. These are good Sukkot questions. This is a time also when we rejoice in our history. We used to be slaves in Egypt, and then God brought us out. We lived in huts, and yet God was with us. You see, life is about more than stuff. Stuff comes and goes. Sometimes you have more stuff. Sometimes you have less stuff. Some of the best things in life are free, things that money can't buy. No wonder that Yeshua went to Jerusalem on Sukkot and he called out to everyone who could hear him. It's uh, written in John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last and most important day of the Feast of Sukkot, Yeshua was standing in the temple courtyard and he said loudly, whoever is thirsty, come to me to drink. As the scripture says, streams of living water will flow from deep within that person who believes in me. Yeshua said this about the spirit whom his disciples would receive. Yeshua was echoing the prophet Isaiah in chapter 51, but he was making it even more personal. Oh, listen, everyone who's thirsty, come to the water. And you who have no money, come, buy for free and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money. You don't have to pay. It's free. That's what the scripture said. Let's use Sukkot to enjoy that kind of freedom that God himself has paid for. Let's use this Sukkot to celebrate our freedom, to celebrate what God has accomplished in your life, to celebrate the fruit in your life, and to take time to celebrate. Let's thank the Lord now. Thank you, Lord, that you have brought freedom to us, and you have delivered us from bondage through Messiah Yeshua. And thank you, Lord, that you teach us humility, your humility, because when we had nothing and we dwelled in huts and in temporary dwellings made with branches, you were with us, and you guided us, and you kept company with us, and you were faithful to us. And we thank you, Lord. We want to celebrate all that you have done 
for us. We want to celebrate, Lord, because we know that you are with us and that we have joy and can focus on your faithfulness. You're not impressed by glorious things. You yourself, Lord, are glorious, and you want us to be impressed by your glory and your humility. And so we thank you, Lord, for your glory and for your honor and for your humility that's revealed to us during Sukkot and also through the life of Messiah Yeshua. We pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Again, I want to invite you to join us tomorrow morning, Saturday morning, for a special Sukkot celebration and picnic. We'll be gathering in the Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue Sanctuary at 1030, and we'll also be having time to wave the lulav and the etrog and rejoicing together for Sukkot. We'll also have a special Israeli picnic lunch with falafel, pita, hummus, and salads and more. Hope you can join us tomorrow, Saturday for Sukkot here at Beth Israel. And the following Shabbat, October 22nd, we'll have a special Simcha Torah celebration. We'll take turns carrying the Torah and Haftorah scrolls around the Beth Israel Synagogue Sanctuary. And we'll also take time to roll the Torah scroll back to the beginning. It's going to be a wonderful time. Hope you can join us. In a moment, we'll be closing with Aaron's blessing and then a final worship song. But first, would you consider standing with us financially? If this live stream is a blessing to you, or if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast or our sanctuary services are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry financially? All the information can be found at bethisraelnow.com slash giving. Let's close now with Aaron's blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, Ye'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha, Yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yasemlecha. Shalom. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. So from Sandy and me and the entire Beth Israel team, thanks for joining us. Hope to see you in person tomorrow at Shabbat services in the Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue Sanctuary. Shabbat Shalom and Chag Sukkot Sameach.